To Throwdown Thursday podcast episode fifty two ass oh fuck here we go <laughs> fifty two oh, asshole to a good start I know we're just not we're fucking up anyway sorry welcome to episode of Throwdown Thursday episode fifty two assholes I am Agent Nicole the one that can't get shit ready can't get shit together got out of jail for looking at Benedict Cumberbatch who's the giggle monster of this crazy gang and. As always, I have my co-host, the one where Patsy lives at her house, the luscious lush of my life, the mistress of Merlot, Ashes One Nightmare. Hello, darling. Sweetie darling, how are you? Hello, Pickle. <laughs> how are you today? I don't know what it is about watching, like, British movies oh or God. British TV shows, but I suddenly get the urge to speak in a British accent. <laughs> oh, I can. Like, after oh. binge watching, like, absolutely fabulous, I'm so Patsy Stone. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'll be like, in the living room, Patrick will come in and he'll be like, like, are you, are you are you all set? Do you need anything? And I'm like, bugger all. Hello, darling. <laughs> I have so much Merlot in my system. A mosquito bites me and has to check into the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> Hello, sweetie, darling. And he's just like, I, I'll take that as you're doing all right. And I'm going to go back in my room. This is, it's probably one of the reasons why I love watching British comedies, television shows, like my entire life. It's just... I was born in the wrong country. I agree with that. <laughs> because I feel like half of the shit I say would sound so much cheekier yep. if I was British. Plus, I love to say cunt a lot. Can I say that on this show, cunt? Yeah, go I ahead. know I've said it before. I, <laughs> I, don't know why, I don't know why I'm asking permission now. You, um, you, you know? say it and I spell it. Like, every time we talk about it, I'm like, that's you on TV. I'm like, oh, cunt, you know? <laughs> and I just turn around and I'm like, yeah, that word. Um, before we get too deep into this British talk, we also have the man that makes us sound very nice, Johnny Wolfenstein. Well, I don't really do that much. You guys sound nice. Oh, I, just, I just turn some knobs and, you know, do some Well, stuff. you work those knobs well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the cider. <laughs> Anyways, Wow. You've been drinking since you know, last week. I know. Another, another thing that would sound so much cheekier if you were British. Oh, you turn those knobs very well. <laughs> I, I personally like twat. Twat? twat. Yeah. Oh, my God. I say twat all the time. Ah, you fucking twat. <laughs> you twat. I had, a, I had a, uh, a friend in college who, the funny thing is he's British, but he grew up in, Aus- or he, he lived half his life in Australia, so yeah. he had like British and Australian oh accent mixed. But he's he used to always always say bugger off and you know toss off. Yep. So I learned all that wanker. stuff from him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love wanker. Oh my god. Oh, you I personally wanker. like the two finger salute. That's more, what I usually do. I don't even yes. give the finger yes. anymore. I do yes. the two finger salute all the time. Yes. Yep. Oh, I love it. I watch. This is what happens when I watch so many British television <laughs> lately. Like that's all I do. I'm like piss off. My dad's like fuck, and I'm like. Give him the the two finger salute instead of the middle finger because he's like, what the hell? Here's the thing about British humor: it is so 
much wittier than American humor because you know nine times out of ten American humor relies on like the fart joke or like the fart joke like aesthetic or puns it's it's the the easy reach you know the the easy laugh but British humor just takes it to the next level and it's so much deeper than that and it's it's part of a it's humor that's part of a conversation like you really have to pay attention to these shows oh yeah to get the joke oh I agree when I was a child my dad um, we watched a lot of PBS or Channel 44 if you're from around here and Are You Being Served is one of the television shows that I basically grew up with and it was in the 70s and it's full of sexual innuendos and so many crude vulgar did you just say sexual in the windows (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) and um, like I didn't understand it but like now I got like the De- like the disc and the CDs and everything and I'm just like holy fuck that one passed my head as a child like all the shit hold on I like drew really need to burp okay well while she's burping but yeah that's the thing though um, British humor is so witty that a child can watch it and it will go right over yeah. its head versus I mean I've been watching Absolutely Fabulous for years and yeah. I'm rewatching this series and I'm like oh my goodness I never got this yep. before I mean maybe it's the fact that I'm pretty much like I, I, I'm I am them I am Patsy Stone um, you know uh, on a more like you, know, you can relate to it more oh yeah in a, in a sense but some of the jokes you know you have to be of a certain intelligence level for lack of better yeah. word in order to really get that and yeah. I think you know our, our friends and our listeners and all of you cool cats out there totally get it but you know it's not it's not stupid humor it's not the easy reach it's, it's not the easy laugh it's, it's not gonna beat you in a dead horse until you get the joke it's more of like if you catch it you catch it if you don't catch it well then that's your own fault and that's the thing too like some of the jokes are just so like it's quick wit Snap. too oh yeah it's just like you know boom 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 so, so if many... you don't hear it the first time like yeah. and and that's what makes the rewatch factor of these shows so high. Yeah. Is the fact that you know you can rewatch these shows and 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 catch things that you never caught before. Yep. I this is why I watch I feel like 90 well, now I wouldn't say 90%, but probably like 75% of the stuff that I do watch is just British oriented and just like Sherlock Holmes and the IT crowd or the Mighty Boosh, um are you being served like British I I really was born in the wrong country like I tell my parents like why didn't you just meet in England or something and like so I could have like a cool accent Downton Abbey that's the other one I couldn't think of for a second Downton Abbey I love Downton Abbey and I'm pretty like I mean I'm I'm right there with you because I'm fairly certain I'm the missing six spice girl <laughs> so you know, gothy, goth spice you know? <laughs> Oh my god they should just hire you for the uh reunion i know right posh spice doesn't want anything to do it anymore because she's a serious fashion designer now or whatever i'll do it i can like dance in platforms and i know all of the songs by heart anyway yeah. i can zig a zig ah like i'll do it i'll do it you know jerry hollowell ginger spice you know mel b scary spice emma button baby spice Mel C. Mel C Sporty, Sporty Spice. Spice Call me 
I'll totally join the Spice Girls. Yeah. So if Ray Park, if you're listening, get the Spice Girls. <laughs> Ray Park, if you are listening, call the Spice Girls and Hook let us them up. know that I am totally willing to fill in for Posh Spice. Goth Spice. Oh, my God. Zig zig. Ah. Are we sure that Noel Fielding was like the missing member too? Like, I feel like he would fit in there as well. Well, I mean, no, Noel Fielding. <laughs> my God, will I love fit Noel in. I know, right? Talk. Oh my goodness! I know he's not a ginger Brit man. But oh, he's still he's on the list. Like an honorary. Like I mean, he's not ginger, but like he's he's. I don't there. discriminate. <laughs> Rem- oh my God! Remember when we saw him? Oh my god! Okay, and so we, we were on. laughing so loud. <laughs> he yelled at us. That he yelled at us <laughs> up in the balcony. Guys, Noel Fielding noticed us. Yes, because we just have really funny laughs, and he was just like, "This is really serious," and we're like, "Ha!" He was no. trying to set up a joke, and he was trying to be like apparently serious for two seconds, but we can't really take him seriously. And we had been drinking anyways. Shocker guys. We had been drinking. Um, and yeah, he was just hilarious. And the way he was trying to, he was very like comedically trying to set up this very serious section of this joke. And apparently we just weren't having it. He was hilarious. I remember and Patrick just looking at us like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Patrick was like, you just got in trouble. <laughs> like, Noel Fielding just yelled at you. Hashtag, we get in trouble here. Oh my god, speaking of getting in trouble, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we are talking about the second film uh, from the Cornito trilogy, Hot Fuzz's um, Hot Fuzz, and we're going to talk about Simon Pegg's character, Nicholas Frost. I mean, Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas, Nicholas Frost is the guy. Nick, Nick Angel. Nicholas Angel. Technically, Nicholas Angel is the guy, too, yes. because it's named after the, I think, like, sound director yes. from Shadow of the Dead. I was going to talk about that. But, anyways, um, his name is Nick Angel. This character's name is Nicholas Angel, but they're both played. Oh, Shaun of the Dead, Nicholas Angel, both played by Simon Pegg. We're on a roll here, can't you tell? We are just loose. <laughs> <laughs> we are off the rails today. <laughs> this is this is what happens when Patsy's not around. We just go crazy. We, we can't fucking behave. So that's speaking, okay. Speaking of not behaving, yeah. our getting into character question for today is: is Have you ever gotten got in, in trouble, trouble with, with the, the law, law, or potentially gotten in trouble with the law? Okay, Ash, how about you? You go first. You want me? You really, mine is like so PG that it's okay. May, okay, as well. wait, wait, no. You, we should start PG and then go up to rated R. <sighs> Fuck, damn. Okay, so I was probably fifteen. I think I probably told you the story, but so my this fifteen, I was in high, yeah, I was in high school, and I was learning how to drive. My dad, I love my dad. Iron Dad is very my dad. I love my dad. Iron Dad, yes, <laughs> Iron Mom and Iron Dad. Um, he doesn't get any say in it. But anyways, <laughs> my dad was like, "Oh, I'll take you driving. You can learn how to drive." I didn't have a permit. Homegirl had no permit, so my dad takes me to this abandoned a parking lot with like railroad tracks where you can like, like my dad would have me back up the truck and everything. 
So my dad was like, you know, it's Sunday afternoon. My dad is a very old-fashioned guy. My dad grew up in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. So like... So he's very conservative. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, he was like, well, you go driving. And like this huge parking lot with railroad trucks. He's like, I'm going to have a few cocktails, you know, enjoy myself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay. No problem. I'll drive around. So I'm like backing out of the railroad tracks. And the next thing you know, I see sirens. And the fucking cop is right behind me. First thing I do is just go right into automatic tears. Because from what I've known, cops and guys don't like when girls start crying. So I just started, couldn't make any sense, started crying. Because I'm like, oh my god, I don't have a license, A. My dad is just on the other side, like the football length of a football field is on the other side seeing all this shit happening next thing you know it was the fucking school cop my the school cop of my high school comes up and he's like are you okay is everything and i'm like i can't even say anything because i'm just like hyperventilating crying trying to you know i was just trying to fucking learn how to drive and this fucking jerk the police officer of the high school comes and comes over and was like what the hell's going on so my dad is walking all the way from the other side of the parking lot and tells the cop oh you know we're just learning how to drive like nothing was nothing's bad going on officer's like oh yeah that's fine just wanted to know what's going on and drives away freaking almost had a heart attack and then my dad was like oh what so do you want to do any more driving and i said no bring me the fuck home and we don't tell that to mom ever <laughs> so mom i know you don't listen to this but if you do don't don't get mad at dad he was just trying to teach me how to drive while having a few cocktails so that is my pg pg story but asha since you have got like the r-rated version over there because i see you smiling <laughs> what is what is up your uh my bag of tricks. Yeah. I was going to say your sleeves, but we're, we're all short sleeves today. Uh, tricks are for kids. Um, so aside from other illegal activity that I have participated in that um, I have not been caught doing, so thank you very much. You know, it's my, my belief that if you're not caught, it doesn't count. Um so when I was younger, we were living in this duplex and it had a pretty nice yard. And for the summer, my parents would let, set up the family tent and I would pretty much live in a tent in the backyard nice. for the summer. You know, my own little like private area. And I would have friends can sleep over, you know, throughout the week, on the weekends, whenever they yeah. wanted to. And my friends, see, my parents were very conservative. They didn't drink. They didn't smoke. But I had friends whose parents did. (laughs) So my friends would collect, like, stray beer bottles and cigarettes and stuff and then come and bring it to my tent. And out in the back was a wooded area where once upon a time, like, somebody clearly had a fire pit. Mm -hmm. So we would sit around the fire pit area. Area. I mean, no fire, because God knows homegirl does not know how to build a fire. But anyways, we would sit around that area and we would smoke and we would drink. And I this we were like 13 years old at mm-hmm. this point. And we were 
kind of drunk one night and we decided that we were going to go flashing and streaking down the street. <laughs> so we were doing that and my friends, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And my friends are like, I dare you to flash the next car that comes down the road. Oh, my God. I was like, fine. I'm going to flash the next car that comes down the road. So I did. Wasn't that car a cop car <laughs> that turns its lights on? Homegirl booked it. I don't think I ever ran so fast in my life. We ran to the tent. We crawled under the sleeping bags. And oh, my God, didn't the cop come looking like he was like shining his flashlight like around the tent and stuff. And we were like trying to be so quiet, like trying not to breathe, like putting our hands over our mouths like we didn't get caught. He left. But oh, my God, like I thought I was going to pee myself. I was so scared. I was like 13 or 14 years old at the time. So, yeah, I almost got caught streaking. <laughs> also, um, okay, so that was that was one time. Um, there was this other time in college where I may have been involved in assault and battery with a deadly weapon, but <laughs> that has never been confirmed, so we're not going into that story. Okay. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Um, that's it. I, I, Man, you have a rap sheet. I've never been officially caught. I've never been arrested. I've never I been. should have been arrested several times. No, I've never been arrested. Um, oh, fuck. Let's see. I've done stupid shit. Um, I had a friend who had sex in a field and was almost uh, caught by a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, like an officer was nearby. And apparently, uh, so apparently, boys and girls, for your information, if you get caught having sex in public, that is a level one offense. You are a level one sex offender and you have to register as a sex offender. So, so no sex sexing in the field. So thank God I've never been caught. Yeah. <laughs> what is some other stupid shit? I've done a fi- Chinese fire drill and I almost got hit by a car doing that. That was funny. But no cop was involved in that. Actually, no, there were security traffic cameras on too and they were moving when they saw us. I um I passed a sobriety test drunk. Wow. Yeah. I mean don't drink and drive kids. It's not funny. We do not endorse drinking and driving on the Throwdown Thursday podcast. But yeah, I totally feel get a sober um, companion to drive your ass around. Yes, but I I totally passed a a so like I was pulled over while drunk driving my minivan in college we were going from the bar to denny's because you know drunken pancakes are so important is this the same man that you crashed into the (laughs) yeah um once upon a time when i was learning how to drive i crashed my car my minivan into the house i didn't do a lot of damage but i pissed my dad off Uh, okay, on that note, since we are very <laughs> bad, we're going to get into uh, 
uh, Nicholas Angel of Hot Fuzz right after this break. Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Can I interject for two seconds? Absolutely. Mom, if you are listening, I swear to God, everything that I just said was a lie. I was making up stories. I'm a good girl. That is all false. Nothing happened. I am a good girl. I'm a saint. I am a saint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mom, I'm just get I just get corrupted. I'm sorry. But anyways, all right, let's get down to business because this next character is not a guy, not a character that you don't want to fuck with. He is no fun until the very end, but he is one who does not deal with bullshit. And I'm talking about Nicholas Nicholas Angel from the 2007 action film, action comedy film called Hot Fuzz which was directed by Edgar Wright, written by Wright and Simon Pegg, starring Pegg and Nick Frost. So, before we get into our deep conversation about Nicholas Angel, when was the first time you've seen them film? Um, that's a really good question. I don't really remember. Um, I know it was after I saw Shaun of the Dead in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So, and actually the first time I really saw Shaun of the Dead was after I started dating Patrick. Mm-hmm. So this movie came out in 2007. I want to say I probably saw it in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those, hey, I really like, because I'm a zombie lover and yeah. fell in love with uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say Patrick was like, oh, well, have you seen Hot Fuzz? And I was like, no, I haven't. Let's check it out. So we did. Mm-hmm. So it was probably 2009 or 2010. So I think for me, it's the same thing. Um, my friends and I are huge fi- fr- uh, friends, huge fans of the series. And I 
think actually Hot Fuzz was the first film out of the trilogy that I saw. And really? I, yeah. And then I saw Notice. I was Shaun of the Dead, which is really funny because my friends are not very horror. They're not into horror, but they really enjoy Shaun of the Dead, which, you know, it's more comedy than horror. It's a very, like, both films, and actually, like, the entire trilogy is such a great blend of comedy and horror and action, and they really, you know, like, Shaun of the Dead is definitely a zombie movie parody, and Mm -hmm. Hot Fuzz is definitely a, um, like, buddy cop movie parody, and then um, The World's End is more like a sci-fi alien movie parody, but they all have the same kind of, like, underbelly of horror action comedy and the blend is what makes it work it's what makes the ice cream taste good because the (laughs) the cornito i I know i keep saying it wrong but um each like red symbolizes the cornito ice cream that's red symbolizes blood blue symbolizes um cop or police action which is what we're going to talk about more about with simon pegg's character and the green represents the sci-fi alien whatnots but so before we get into his character a little bit simon pegg um did a lot for this film a lot of work to his body um the film was uh done in 11 weeks and on simon pegg spent a good portion of it writing with um right and they did a lot of interviews with cops trying to you know get everything they wanted to make sure it was very authentic to what they were doing and um peg lost 20 28 pounds while doing this film and doing a lot of intense training learning how to cycle intense driving um he he really put a lot of work into this uh character and out of a lot of his characters in this in this trilogy this is the one that is different from what simon pegg usually does it's not that lazy boy funny guy stoner drunk or whatever this guy is the complete opposite so you like i know last week we talked about simon pegg and his portrayal of different um characters that he's done over the years this is one where i think you know he really takes a lot for him to get into this world it's definitely away from his normal routine where he's basically uh, typecast of being that stoner loner loser where he is the complete opposite right like last week we talked about his portrayal of Sean and Sean of the Dead and it's the complete opposite of that like Sean is kind of lacking initiative Mm -hmm. whereas Nicholas Angel has all of the initiative it's just like it's a complete 180 from the two films which says a lot about simon pegg's acting abilities. oh yeah i could definitely concur and a lot I, and a little fun fact is he for the first hour of the film simon pegg does not smile at all until after almost an hour into i the never film. noticed that yeah oh wow that is like some hardcore um acting right there so let's talk about nicholas angel nicholas angel the name actually comes from like you said earlier in this episode it's from the music um supervisor of Shaun of the dead and the world's end and hot fuzz whose name is nicholas angel 
which is really funny. I was like, oh, that's such bullshit. But, you know, it's a little homage to someone that they really like. Well, not only that, like, Nicholas Angel is such, like, a badass kind of, like, superhero type yeah. name. Like, my name is Nick. Nick Angel. Like, who? You can't make that shit up. No. You know? So, clearly, like, the fact that they named it after somebody yeah. is just kind of icing on the Cornetto. Yeah. You know? It's- yeah. And the... Uh, what I read is that Wright and Peg met a lot of people, a lot of officers that were either named Nick or Andy. So they were like, okay, like this is something that they really have to follow the trend for. And in the beginning of the film, right off the bat, you see this guy walking very sternly up to the camera and it's Nicholas Angel, a police uh, constable born and schooled in London, graduated from Canterbury university in 1990 Three, majored in politics and sociology. Attended Hendon College of Police Academy training. Um, He exceeded through everything that he's done. A lot of riot control, urban uh, pacification. Economically succeeded in courses. He received the baton of honor. He graduated, graduated with distinction into the Metro Police Service. Used to be the force, but now they, in the film they joke about it. it's called the service. He was well-liked in the community that he worked in. Um, he proceeded to improve his skills and his skills in driving, in advanced driving and cycling. He was into a lot of different activities like fencing, karate, and chess. Um, and then he holds the record for the 100-meter dash in the police force. Uh, he ended up receiving honors for his operation in Operation Crackdown, Shakedown, Takedown, Throwdown, and achieved the highest arrest record in any officer in the Metropolitan Police Force, 400% higher than any officer. He obtained three injuries, and at at the point of the film, at December, I think it was like last December, he gets stabbed by Peter Jackson in a Santa suit. Yes, Father Christmas. Father Christmas, who was Peter Jackson, which I was like, what the fuck? And um, so that is the first basically three minutes. He tells you his life story. This guy does not fuck around. Well, except for the summer of 1979. Oh, in which um, so apparently the character of Nicholas Angel has always wanted to be a cop, Mm -hmm. except for the summer of 1979 when Kermit the Frog became his role model. (laughs) Yeah. So for one summer, he wanted to be Kermit the Frog. But since then, like every every moment thereafter, he's wanted to be a police officer. He got that inspiration. And we learn about that inspiration of being um, a cop like his uncle, Derek, who was also a police officer of the Metro Metropolitan Police Services. And he like brought Nicholas like a police pedal car and he wanted to be like him and then he realized that a quote-unquote Derek was a cunt right because he was selling drugs to students um to buy his little pedal car and so young Nicholas decided he would never drive that car but he decided that he was going to uphold the law stronger than ever and this man does so much that he upholds the law that he's making the other guys look very very bad 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that, um, oh my goodness, I forget, is, is it Martin Freeman? Yes, Martin Freeman. His character pretty much says that. He is the like deputy director, yeah. or whoever the head Sergeant, is, yeah. of the um, officer club that Nick Angel <laughs> is originally a part of. I His know. unit. Yeah. Yes, the unit. So, yeah, so he's head of the unit that Nick Angel is originally a part of mm-hmm. and pretty much says, yeah, so your, your like, arrest percentage is 400%. You're making the rest of us look bad. If you continue to be on the force, the rest of us aren't going to have a job. Yep. So we need to get rid of you. Like, in a roundabout way, that's yeah. exactly what he and, says. And basically, Nick is like, okay, well, I need to talk to the upper management. So they get Steve Coolidge in there. He's like, well, you know... This is kind of final. You're going to be transferred as a sergeant to a small town out in the country. And they're like, didn't you always want to go to the country? Like, retire to the country? Yeah. And, and Nicholas Nick Angel, was... Uh, Angel's, like, in, like, 20 years. Yeah, and then Martin Freeman's like, no, no, no. Like, you mentioned that. And he's like, I want to move in the country, Janine, which was ex, uh, the ex-girlfriend of um, Simon Pegg's character, Nicholas Angel, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so Nick is so stubborn and doesn't want to do it because he, you know, he's so used to the lifestyle of being in the city. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to still do. So they get Bill Niley's character involved and he's just like, nope, you're going, you're transferred. And Nick, Nick Angel's like, no, no, no. Like, I know the guys will back me up and the guys are like, fuck yeah, you're getting the fuck out of here with throwing a party. And so that starts off the beginning of Nick's um, descent from the city to the country life of um, Stanford. No, that's not Stanford. Uh, is it Stanford? It is Sanford. Sanford. I am sorry. So he goes to this little country town called Stan- Sanford, where basically the the accident rate is very high, but there's no murder. The last murder that's ever been in this in this. Um, country county was 20 years ago so he goes into this new town and you know the night before he goes in for his first day he goes and decides i'm gonna go to the pub see what's going on he basically kicks out everybody out of that (laughs) pub because what's your birthday (laughs) february 22nd what year every Every year He's like, get out. <laughs> and like basically the entire town is out of that pub because everybody is so underage. Yeah, but pretty much the entire pub that he walks into is uh, they're serving underage teenagers. And, you know, him being the new, not so much like pretty much like deputy in, yeah. in town. Um, he wanted to make a good impression and he noticed the you know characteristics as he looked around the room like oh all of these people drinking look severely underage so Mm -hmm. that's when he goes through and pretty much kicks everybody out like hey you're a bad egg get out of here so come to find out he pretty much kicks everyone out of the bar except for himself and danny and danny who is played by nick frost but before we get more into that uh you see, basically, he never stops working. 
he is constantly married to his work as a police officer. He just got into town. He hadn't officially started. They, they asked him, like, oh, you must be the new deputy sheriff or whatever. Like, oh, when do you start? He's like, tomorrow. So he's already working and he hasn't actually started his job in town yet. Yeah. What a show off. Right? <laughs> but, you know, if that plays a major role in throughout this this film with Nick Nicholas Angel is he never stops working. He is an overachiever. He is an overachiever, and a lot of it comes from you know he just wants to do good. Like there is good behind it, but he's not executing it very well. And his relationship with Janine, who is played by Kate Blanchett, which was uncredited, um, basically that was the relate that was the end of their relationship because he couldn't separate his life. Like his romance, romantic lifestyle with his work. His work became his wife, and I think one of the funniest quotes that he's uh, he says to he's like always the guilty party. Like the first person is the guiltiest or whatever, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm dating somebody else." And he's like, "Who is it, Bob?" And she's like, "Really, Bob?" And it's not Bob, but you know he finds comfort in his little peace lily. It's like his new little girlfriend. And he just goes into this new town and becomes a show off. And he basically, from start to end, he continues to work, work, work. And um, the next day, going into the next day, he's still at the, you know, he's writing up the paperwork, booking all these teenagers, Danny, who he later finds out that he is the son of the um, inspector of the, uh, of the um, department. Uh, Frank, Frank's Frank Butter Butterman, mm-hmm. and you know Nick is starting to realize there's a lot of weird things happening in this town, a lot of strange things. People are dying, or quote unquote accidents are right, happening, right? And they're just writing it off. Like the accidents are starting to look suspicious. Yeah, and Nicholas Angel is starting to get suspicious of these quote unquote accidents. Yeah. And that is not received well with most of the people, including some of the police department in yeah. the town. He is basically, you know, showing off and telling him, like, why aren't you doing your job? Like, you are detectives. You're supposed to detect. And the two detectives, both named Andy, um, you know, are he's just not making any friends. He's not enjoying his time there he's just frustrated because the cooperation with his new team is not going well everyone thinks he's a show-off yep he's a show-off and but you know he's correcting them like we don't say police or force it's police services you you know it's in the handbook and police officer men yep police officer police man officer yep <laughs> and a lot of it you see the relationship that he has with danny played by nick frost where you know he's like nick frost's character is just like have you shot anybody have you been hurt have you been doing this like he's so fascinated because he's a huge like he's into action films like bad boys too and point break point break and he's like did you do this and did you do that and it's pretty obvious that nick frost character danny butterman only got on the force because his dad is in charge yep. and he is ultimately a fanboy of these buddy cop films yep. you know lethal weapon and you know bad boys point break 
Um, so when he meets Nicholas Angel, I mean, ultimately they become friends. And, you know, as the movie progresses, like best friends, yep. and they ultimately save each other's asses or arses, excuse arses. me. Um but you know, Danny starts out very much unfit for that position. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean to be honest, most of the cops are. But if you yeah. think about it, the co- at that point, the cops are really unnecessary. Well, the thing because is, because everything been, is deemed an accident. Well, they've been brainwashed for X amount of years because we learn throughout the story that the, the town, whole town has been brainwashed. The whole town has been brainwashed by this little secret com- community because they're doing things for the greater good. The greater good. And he realizes, you know, the reason why there's so many accidents happening because these people who are just there to do for the greater good just want to keep things you know for themselves for this by the by saying the greater good these people are pretty much just looking out for themselves yeah they've made this little niche in town and they want to keep it that way they do not want any outsiders they're pretty much kind of off the grid yeah. in a sense where you know if they keep everything an accident there's no crime rate which means they're really not on the map yeah. so they can do things their way it's because they want to win that best village award that's right. why they, that's why they do it because right. we learn later in the film that Frank, the inspector of the police force, his wife dies. Like she kills herself because she's been so stressed out about losing the title of the best village award, and so basically it's his purpose to make sure that they live in the best village, in you know homage to his late wife. But you know we see Nicholas Angel. Trial and error going to deal with this unfit force to very at the very end have his own little perfect force with his you know the crazy detective Andes and Doris Thatcher, the only female police officer, and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name that mumbles with his dog Saxon and yep um you know he basically he shows these police officers you're you're more than just police officers. You have a purpose. You just have to find it. Right. His, his persistence uh, brings unity to the town. Mm-hmm. It really does. And you don't see a lot of character. I wouldn't say character development. Um, a lot of his, he gets to loosen up a little bit. He, well, I mean, the only real, ca- the only character development that you really see, aside from the, you know, figuring out the ulterior motives yeah. of the people in town, you're yeah. like, oh wow, you know, when he first arrives, the people in the town seem really, really nice, and yeah. then you realize that they're all fucking cunts, and <laughs> they all try to kill everyone. So, you know, the only characters who really go through a character development is Nicholas Angel. Uh, learns to loosen up and trust other people. Mm -hmm. And Danny Butterman, you know, remember Nicholas Ross character actually learns what it is to be a cop. Yeah. Like, and actually be a buddy cop, Mm -hmm. not in a movie setting, but in a real life setting. Like, you know, the sacrifices that you need to make when you do have a partner. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, like everything plays out pretty well in the end but you know it was so like we said um nicholas angel is such a staunch contrast 
to Sean Riley from Sean of the Dead mm-hmm. and the fact that Simon Pegg can portray both types. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some similarities in the dopey sense, yeah. you know, like the comedic sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the heart uh, of, of each character goes, completely different. Mm-hmm. I completely 100% agree. And, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of when he's trying to figure out what's happening with the village you see like he can't believe like this is this shit's happening like oh my god these people these people that he thought you know we're supposed to do good is killing these people who are trying to leave the leave the town or doing bad to the town like the director the actors of this bad roman uh romeo and juliet play because they're killing comedy they're killing bill shakespeare or the florist who decides you know i need to leave town because i can't be here anymore like nicholas nicholas is understanding like okay there's something wrong and then he sees it for his own eyes like these people are dying and he's gonna solve this mystery and unfortunately a lot of the police officers are just laughing in his face it's just accidents and accidents and you see him basically at one point where he gets beat up and danny quote-unquote kills him or stabs him and he tells him, you need to leave town. It's the old catch-up gag. Yep. And Nicholas is like, you know, I can. He's like, you have to go. And that's just the turning point where Nicholas is like, nope, I'm not going to take no for an answer. He grab, he goes to this convenience store and he sees bad boys too. And he's like, okay, shit's going to get real now. And I think this is like this, the second part of the film is my favorite part. Because, you know, you see this rigid up stiff guy basically saving the town from these horrible people unfortunately everybody basically died well not i wouldn't die but just kind of got their ass handed to them and it's just a i really enjoy this film it's it was a lot of paperwork a lot of paperwork and a lot of uh, from what i've read um, Peg basically redubbed most of his lines in the second half of the movie to make his voice sound more like an 80s action hero, which really you do. There are definitely some like Miami Vice-esque <laughs> moments in there. And it's funny because um, Patrick and I were actually watching it last night. And Patrick's like, oh, that's that's what that... I'm like, Miami Vice? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's just... I. I really enjoy Simon Pegg in this character. It's just against his normal stereotypical roles. And I think one of my favorite lines is the end. They talk about it in in the beginning where he's talking to Martin Freeman's character, the sergeant. He's like, Martin Freeman's like, well, after you got your hand hurt, like I'm surprised you didn't get a desk job. And um, the quote is that Simon Pegg says, I think, I prefer to think my office is on, out is out on the street, which he actually got from another officer that he interviewed. And you just see how passionate he is about his job. It's become his life. And in the very end, you know, they basically save the town. Nicholas becomes the chief inspector and promoting his best friend, Danny. And, there was supposed to be a love interest in this film. Yeah, Danny's character was actually supposed to be a woman named yeah, Ver- Victoria. Victoria, I almost said Veronica. Yeah, Victoria. And they didn't really change many of their lines, which just makes it really funny. 
Which, I mean, again, it kind of says something about the friendship between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty rad bromance. Yeah, they really... I would... I want to... Ha- well, I think my, my me and my best friend have that kind of a bromance, but it's not bromance. It's a... Wait, a girlmance? No, that's not a good word. I don't know. I'm just talking. You're giving me this weird look. <laughs> just, um... We have some voicemails. We do. We do. So um, we should go with Patsy since he sent us a voicemail. Can we have that going, please? Am I, am I to assume that the Nick Angel VM is Patsy's? It wasn't labeled. Yes, I, okay. please. I just didn't know it was from him. Hey guys, it's Patsy, still with no voice, and it's not so awesome, but... uh, Says who? (laughs) I do have uh, some things to contribute to uh, our discussion, Um, because today we're talking about uh, Nicholas Angel from Hot Fuzz, (laughs) and uh, he's pretty awesome, and I think he's great. But my biggest thing is I gotta uh, I gotta save my voice For next week's Big anniversary show Oh my god I'm so excited I can't believe we've been doing this Almost a year already But uh, um, Yeah so Nicholas Angel He is one of the The most fun characters uh, You'll ever, ever find And uh a lot like Sean from Shaun of the Dead that we talked about last week. Um, he, too, goes through a, uh, a, a transformative process. Um, you know, all he knows is being a cop and, and being the top cop and going 100 miles an hour all the time. But he realizes that after a while, you know, you can't do that all the time. You know, you need to learn how to switch off and use a light touch when it comes to certain things. So, he is, uh, he's, he's taught these lessons by, uh, Danny, his partner, Danny Butterman. Uh, and it's funny because originally the part was going to be going to a, a lady, um, but Nick Frost played it you know, like like a romantic interest. Um, you know, the part where he's trying to get Nicholas to watch uh, some movies and, you know, they're like nose to nose on the couch and he's like, I don't know how to switch off. And Danny's like, I can show you. And instead of like a romantic set piece, instead they go and watch uh, Point Break and Bad Boys 2. Um... And it's great. One of the things I love about these films is that a lot of the dialogue that, you know, you hear at the beginning of the film comes back around and it takes on new meaning at the end of the film Um, or during the climax of the film. Um, (coughs) Yeah, he starts off as this 100% by the book guy. And as he's going through the film, he, you know, he learns these different things. He learns that, you know, because he goes from London to Sanford Gloucestershire which is this tiny little remote village out you know way in the country so you know the the polar opposite of what London could be you know instead of this thriving metropolis you have this tiny little village with you know 
he says, uh, maybe only a couple hundred people and everybody knows everybody else. You know, it almost seems like everybody who you meet as a character along the way, like they're the only residents of the town. Obviously, that's not true because they have the the school and everything. You see all the different kids, unless these people are, uh, you know, uh, very prolific at, uh, you know, creating spawn. But, um, yeah, like he's such a great character because of how, you know, Instead of, like, shrinking down to the level of, you know, the other antagonists in the film, he manages to uh, raise everybody else around him up. You know, he takes this, you know, group of police officers who, policemen officers, who absolutely hate him, except for Danny, because Danny's so enthralled with all his exploits. It's like meeting, you know, a real-life superhero for him. Um, he manages to get everybody on his side, and, you know, it almost it, it's almost like they're living out Danny's fantasy uh, of living in the world of an action movie, like uh, Lethal Weapon, or, or, again, Point Break, or Bad Boys 2. It's... Um, it's so much fun, and I really love this character. Um, I can't really do a whole lot more without blowing out my voice. So, uh, I hope you guys are having a good show. I'm sure you guys are doing a great job. Uh, you know, keep on being awesome, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to join you next week for the uh, anniversary show. All right, bye. I like the background music that he's got going, like very mysterious. I think that's Fallout. Oh, is it? Okay, because I, I was think like, so yeah, Fallout Four. That's his. Uh, that's been his obsession for a while. I'm like, I'm listening to his voicemail, and I'm listening to him, and I'm like, is he just trying to be mysterious with his like voicemail? No, I think he's just paused his video game <laughs> to send in a voicemail. So. Thanks, Patrick. Oh, I miss your stinky face. Ew. <laughs> Just kidding. Shut up. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I like him. I know. I like him too sometimes. He buys me wine and cats. Well, that's good. We have another voicemail. We do. From Mr. Dynamo Mars. What's up, Throwdown Thursday? <laughs> I wanted to uh, talk about what I think is one of the most underrated movies around, Hot Fuzz. Uh, Everybody loves Shaun of the Dead, with good reason. Um, It pretty much rejuvenated the zombie genre. But uh, what a lot of people don't uh, talk about as much anyway, I don't know if they don't appreciate it, is Hot Fuzz. And there's a lot of stuff that's cool about Hot Fuzz, in addition to the fact that it's a, uh, you know, a lampoon of American action films. It also had, like, a lot of um, uh, guest appearances by um, British uh, stalwart, um, you know, uh, crime era, 70s crime era character actors. Uh, like Peter White, Billy Whiteview is in here. Um, let's see. I mean, obviously... Tim Dalton. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think. I feel like there was somebody else. Kevin Eden is in here, but he's more of a contemporary actor. 
I don't know. I put a microphone in front of me and I just draw a blank. Um, I do know it's a very small role, and I only know this because we covered one of her films. Alicia Lowe is in this movie, and uh, she made the film Prevenge, and um, she, David Bradley's in this movie, she uh, is going to be a star someday, so I'm anxious to go back and see if I can pick her out, because she's uh, awesome as the writer-director star of Prevenge, but uh, you know she had a small role in this, I don't know where it falls in her filmography, but uh, if it's her first film, it would be a cool one to be. So yeah, it's really cool to have all these cool, like Michael Caine era, like, uh, you know, character actors in here. Um, I also think this is a really cool departure for, if not Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, because he uh, is playing against type, at least the type that he, like, kind of, uh, you know... um, uh, created in his early, uh, you know, television work and in Shaun of the Dead. Um, I actually, you know, w- would have loved to have, uh, you know, cast him as a villain in something. But uh, yeah, uh, or you know, a, a, you know, even a, a, I, I, I pitched a James Bond uh, reboot with him as the star to. Um, my contacts in Hollywood, but I, I never heard anything back. Apparently, uh, Cullen in the uh, Morbid Vision mailroom was not uh, interested in um, my James Bond reboot. But anyway, thanks so much, guys. I know I'm rambling. I just love this movie. I wanted to uh, stick my head in, and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I don't have any questions. But uh, you know, Johnny Wolfenstein, you're the producer extraordinaire. Um, Ashes, you are a super goddess. Um, and uh, Agent Nicole, you are my go-to uh, comic book, ultra-awesome, super spy, super fox, uh, coolest kid in the world. And, uh, yeah, Patty's there, too. Uh, <laughs> Bye. Unfortunately, Patty's uh, not here, but thank you for... Yes, thank you so much for that voice. Yes, um, Alicia Lowe played Tina, who was Mr. Skinner's uh, receptionist or secretary um, in the scene where she calls Nicholas Angel to his office, and she's right there. Um, to add on to your list of people that play Jim Broadbent, who plays the inspector frank um butterman he's been in a lot of action films he uh, since the late 70s and tonight um to now um uh, olivia coleman who this was her first police kind of role she ended up playing a detective in a miniseries drama with david tenna from doctor who called broad uh broad church which is really good if anybody really wants to watch more British drama because that's a really good one um, but yeah there's so many great cameos in this film if you are who like us were into like the British actors and whatnots, and there's there's so many great cameos in this film especially Timothy Dalton is, who was James Bond I definitely agree with Mars when he says that Hot Fuzz is 
underrated. Oh, yeah. I um, agree. Definitely agree. You meet a lot of people who think that Shaun of the Dead is the shit, which it is. And it's definitely my favorite of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. But not by it's not my favorite by much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of like a 1A, 1B situation. No, I totally get that. Um, Hot Fuzz is just so great and I'm at the point where I mean uh, when I watched it I was familiar with some of the movies that it was uh, paying tribute to Mm -hmm. like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard and Dirty Harry Um, but I've gotten to the point where I've actually watched some of those if not all of those films so it makes me appreciate Hot Fuzz even more. I know that um, Edgar Wright was just telling people like it's not just a spoof it's not supposed to be a spoof it's just another you know a modern version of a police comedy drama a black comedy kind of thing like he was just adding to it just it just happened to be a police drama with comedy people in it and um i was i'm totally blanking out why i was i had something else to say and i can't think of it um um uh, well, while you think, I'm going to say, and you bet that at some point we are going to talk about Gary King, who oh, yes. is Simon Pegg's character from The World's End, mm-hmm. as well as Ed and Danny Butterman mm-hmm. and Andy Knightley, who um, all are portrayed by Nick Frost yes. in the trilogies as well. Yes, now I remembered. Um, for me, Hot Fuzz is my favorite out yeah. of the trilogy. Um it's also the most su- successful, financially the most successful film in the trilogy, mainly because when ha- Shaun of the Dead came out, it was just going to be a direct-to-DVD in the United States. But, like, of course, the internet being as awesome sometimes kind of helped promote the film to get out to the U.S., and mm-hmm. that's why it got kind of like a cult following behind it. And then, obviously, Hot Fuzz got a lot of heat because of Shaun of the Dead and The World's End. Like, a lot of people don't really like The World's End. It's not bad. I won't I won't knock on that. It's definitely my least favorite of the yeah. trilogy. However, I love this trilogy. So yes. that's saying a lot. Like, even though it's my least favorite of the three, yeah. it's still my favorite above most other movies. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And on that note, is there anything else you want to add to this lovely conversation i think it's time that we wrap it up i think so too so we'll take one more break we've got i think a science fact we have some nightmare vineyard amazingness and an agent nicole files and we'll talk about to next week's extravaganza extravaganza Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. 
about her. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and TrickOrTreatRadio.com. Welcome back to Throwdown Thursday. Thank you for sticking around and listening to us gals talking it up, crushing on Simon Pegg. Um, if you are in the mood for some Simon Pegg films, um, fat, uh, fat run boy run. Wait, no, fuck. I screwed that up. Run fat boy run. Thank you. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you. Dingbat over here is stupid today. Um, <laughs> um, that one and one of my absolute favorite films, Man Up. I talked about it a couple of months ago with Lake Bell and Simon Pegg. It's a r- British rom-com but it's not just like a typical like lovey-dovey rom-com it's just fucking funny it's a good one to watch and they're both on net i think on netflix i know man up is on netflix um run fat boy run might not be but that one is really good too i know it was on netflix at one point yeah but i don't know if it still is i know that there's hector and the happiness that's not a bad film it's not one of my favorite simon Pegg films um, it is a good one. He's done. He's got a lot of films on Netflix, so definitely take a look um, if you're interested in seeing his television show Space. I believe it is on Hulu. So there is Simon Pegg out there for everybody, all different types. Get yourself a peg. <laughs> uh, yeah, get yourself okay. a peg. He is on my th- top three of Ginger Britman. I am very happy that we are talking about Simon Pegg. I Let's love see. him. So who's your top three overall? Um, well, Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, obviously, because um, you've gone to jail how many times for him? We don't talk about that. Um, okay. Simon Pegg is number two. Really? Yes, I love Simon Sim- Pegg beats out like Eddie Redmayne. Yes, really? I know. I know. But I just because of. I don't know. I just love Simon Pegg. Like, I'll forget about him for like two seconds. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I really want to watch Simon Pegg movies like right now. So, yes, Simon Bet beat Eddie Redmayne. And then Tom Hiddleston's just right underneath. Tom Hiddleston is like an honorable mention. But Speaking he goes of to wanting to be right underneath Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Bye, chicken for a while. <laughs> okay, I won't get into too many... <laughs> he's got a nice ass but anyways um we have some facts we got some wine we've got some files so patsy's not here so i guess play his music are we gonna are we gonna play his music before we can just play his voicemail yeah let's Let's be cruel. Just play his voicemail. He just, I mean, he was nice enough to call in a science fact voicemail. So let's hear from Patsy. Hey guys, uh, <laughs> I do have a science fact for this week. I didn't want you to think that you know I would I would uh, 
you know, miss this week just because I'm not there. Shit. You know, I don't want you guys to be missing out or you sad or anything. So <laughs> uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about the medical condition known as syncope. S y n c o p e. Uh, that's when you faint at the sight of blood. Now, this is actually um, an evolutionary uh, design where. You faint at the sight of blood. What that means is, like, say you were injured, uh, your blood pressure would drop. I mean, you lose consciousness, but what it's designed to do is to lower your blood pressure to uh, kind of stop you from losing so much blood. Now, if you're by yourself, you're kind of fucked, but if you're with someone else, you know, you're okay. The only issue is, uh, with a lot of people who have this disorder... Or evolutionary trait. So I mean, depending on the situation, uh, you could you could classify it one way or the other. But it's not only relegated to the site of your blood; it's also someone else. So if you have syncope, you're going to make a very poor surgeon or serial murderer. So that's all I've got for today's science fact. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I will speak. Well, hopefully not too soon, because I need to rest my voice. Uh, Have a great night. (laughs) Hooray, science. (laughs) Dude, I married that. (laughs) I don't know if I'm supposed to say gay or nay. He he does sound like a a seven-year-old woman who smoked for her entire life. Yeah. (laughs) He was very hyped up in that conversation. He was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Let's talk about blood. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Honey, pass me the smokes. <laughs> uh, well, Patsy, I hope you feel better and get better. And um, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he gets better too, because that's what I have to listen to at home. I'm sorry. I have to take that seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> so by that. <laughs> Her, her pleading send wine send wine to ashes so she can deal with this yeah send me wine buy me wine speaking of wine all about wine Nightmare Vineyards, I want to talk about my box. The box (laughs) that's in my hand right now. No, I am holding a black box in my hand right now. I am not making this any better. (laughs) Where did you get that black box from? I'll keep my eyes tuned right to my screen. (laughs) Agent Nicole was nice enough to gift me with a small box of wine or what I like to call a juice box because that's what all I you have to, to you do today. is just stick a straw in it and you're good to go. Oh, fuck. That's what I forgot to do for you. That's okay. It's all good. I drink all kinds of wine. Um, so today I am talking... Now, I know I've talked about boxed wine before, uh, the Franzia brand, but today I am talking about black box wine. So it's a little bit edgier, a little bit higher upper scale it's um 
a couple of dollars uh, pricier than Franzia. And today, I'm actually drinking it right now. It is the Merlot. It is from California. It is brimming with red berry fruit. This wine shows deep richness in flavor and ends with a smooth, concentrated finish. Now, you can buy this wine in a larger box, which lasts the average person several weeks to a month lasts me about a week or so um you know a night or two uh but this little box that i have in my hand okay so bear with me guys it is 500 mils which apparently is equal to three 5.6 out servings who the fuck <laughs> drinks three 5.6 ounce servings of wine? Like, I'm sorry, one of these boxes is like one serving of wine I, for when me. I, I picked like, it up for you and I, I started laughing at the liquor store and I was like, ha, ah, this is like a, a glass of wine for Ash, just three glasses. Bullshit. You, you know what's funny? Because Patsy has been sick for a while and people are like, how come you, as in me, like, how come I uh, haven't gotten sick? And I'm like, do you realize how much I drink? Like, there is so much alcohol in my system on a normal basis that it really takes something horrible to really get to me because I have so much alcohol in my system that it just kills off off all the bacteria. So it really takes like a, a, a viral ridden infection to just really (laughs) cause some crazy sickness. So anyways, I'm talking about black box wines. Like I said, you can get it in the larger boxes, um, which can last you about a month or a smaller box, which apparently is supposed to be three servings, but who the fuck does that? So, and it's good. It's good stuff. You know, as far as uh, boxed wine goes, it's very good. Um, sometimes boxed wine can have like a kind of like a, a stale taste mm-hmm. to it just because of how it's packaged. Yeah. Sometimes when you open it up, it just doesn't taste very fresh. But I've actually had black box wine several times mm-hmm. and it's very good. Like I've had very good um, success with it. Like very, oh, I'm glad. So, so thank you so much for You're the wine. You're welcome. Nicole. I knew it was good because... So a couple of months ago, um, I made prime rib for my dad. I think it was for Thanksgiving. I think so. And I, I wasn't going to buy a whole That box. was more than a couple of months ago. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. Well, it was like last year. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> you um, know, a couple of weeks ago back in like last July, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, so I was at the same liquor store and I was like, I need to buy some like some red wine. But I didn't want to buy like a whole bottle and uncork it and not drink it. And I saw, oh, this is really cute. It's a small little little box. I'll use it. And it's fantastic. It works really good. It's a good cooking wine. It really is. And what's so great about um, boxed wine is the fact that it does keep, like I said, uh, the black box wines or the Franzia I've had really good luck with. They keep for a while. They, they'll they keep for up to a month. So, you know, you can, re- you know, uh, tap it over and over again and up, <laughs> <laughs> Nicole. I'm talking about wine. Not my box. My black box. My black box wine. 
Um, <laughs> but anyways, you can you can use it multiple times. You can get multiple glasses out of it, and it still stays fresh. So that's one of the reasons why I prefer to buy wine from a box. Oh my god, Nicole, you need to stop. <laughs> Nicole is currently turning colors and cannot do her Agent Nicole file. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. While you go tapping your box, I'm going to talk about them. I know who can tap my box. Bond. Nicole. James Bond. Agent Nicole. <laughs> Engage Thunder. <laughs> I, 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 I feel every time I do my files, it's just mostly like ninety percent of me just laughing and never getting through anything. Whenever you host the show, it's like ninety-five percent of you laughing and not getting through anything. I am sorry, everybody who has to listen to everybody me. loves you, so it's um, okay. So I was actually for a while I after the last Agent Nicole files the travesty of that shit. Um, we are going to talk about a documentary show that I'm I just finished, and we will actually have we have a voicemail to go with it. So I'll be sharing that one in a few minutes. But I'm talking about the Keepers. It's a new Netflix show, Netflix documentary series that came out on May nineteenth, twenty seventeen. Um, it's a seven-episode American documentary web series where, basically, the series explores the unsolved murder of a nun, Sister Kathy Sisnak, um, who taught English and drama in this Catholic high school. And her students believe, like, this must be a cover-up. Like, they've been... It's been a, an unsolved murder case for almost 30-so years. And... They realize while doing this documentary that there is something underneath, and I will um, that there was like a sex abuse scandal that was going on by the um, the the father or the priest that was the head of it, and it's it's really interesting. And um, does this have anything to do with that movie Spotlight that came out a few years ago? I never saw that. Um, is that the one with Rachel McAdams? Yes. I have not seen it, but I, uh, my Netflix says I should watch that after when I was watching. Okay, so that probably means that there's some sort of correlation yeah. between the two. Yeah, and um, it is directed by Ryan White, who did a documentary a couple years ago on HBO called The Case of Eight. Um, he, the reason why he did this documentary is because his mother grew up in this town in Baltimore uh, in Baltimore and they he learned it from a lot of people who were talking about it and it's a very like this seven episode web series it just it pulls on some heartstrings it really kind of makes you wonder like what was really going on and like in recent years you you see it like how church and state kind of is fucked up it's really sad and these stories that these victims talk about and how these two students of Sister Kathy really kind of... Oh, my dad's calling me right now. I don't know why my dad's calling me, but okay. Anyways, um, I do have a voicemail. Nicholas, who often leaves us voicemails, 
t- um, is talking about um, wanted to share his thoughts on this documentary series. Hey, Throat on Thursday podcast. This is Nick here um, calling in again to talk about something I checked out. <clears throat> um, I finally finished the um, the Keepers documentary on um, Netflix, which is about the Catholic high school in Baltimore, Maryland, with the abusive, sexually abusive priest, Father Maskell. Um, I thought this was a very, very, very interesting um, documentary. I give it my highest grade, A+. I mean, it's it's hard for me to review um, these documentaries because... If if the if the story's interesting, you kind of just get hooked in, um, and that's kind of what this was. And you know, it, it wrapped it around a murder, and then what it tied in because of that was just like wow. And like you know, that took center stage over the murder. They always kept fitting the murder in. I mean, and you got the reason why. But like, oh my God, it's just so fucked up. And it's just so interesting, like, how... Now, I'm going to say this, and, like, I don't mean it as in the sense of, like, the religion, more of the uh, institution. And that's fuck the Catholic Church. Like, I have nothing against religion. I've been a Catholic my whole life. I don't follow it. I mean, you know, I've, I've been confirmed, kind of... Uh, First communion, all that stuff, but like you know, it, it, believe what you want to believe. Like at the end of the day, if you're like I'm a good Christian because I pray and I you go to the church and all that, that's great. I I have all respect for you, but like you know what? Fuck the institution that says you need to do this, this, and this because you know what? They need to change some rules. They need to let these priests marry because why are we still having pedophilia in this religion? I'm not saying it's the only religion that does it, but it's the only one that's brought up because it's been happening for decades. Like, it needs to be stopped. And how this documentary ended, where they told them, basically, well, we're not going to do anything because statute of limitations, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, church and state, we don't care. That's bullshit. That, that's complete bullshit. When these women and, you know, countless other people that you don't even know were violated and their, their, their lives completely ruined because of this piece of shit, like, that, that's disgusting. Like, come on. This is a religion that you're saying, you know, everyone's equal, everyone should be cared for and loved. Then do something about this. <sighs> And then that's what infuriates me. It's like, it's... It's... It's the hurting of the innocents. And that's children. I mean, yeah, they're high schoolers, but still it's children. Like, don't... I don't know. It's just a touchy subject. And I know that people don't like to talk about stuff like that. Religion and, of course, you know, the talk of, like, stopping this pedophilia with these priests but like this is such a great documentary this 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 discusses so much in depth about the story i mean you know there's parts where where it's kind of wandering because it's you know it's trying to fill you into the story and it's a little hard to follow because there's so many different people but like it's done so well and like these poor women that like that had to deal with this and 
and how amazing those two women that were just like, where did our, what happened to our friend, our, our, our teacher, our nun? Why was she murdered? And just to never find that out is just, is just, it sucks. It's, 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 it's one of the many cold cases that just, that just died, you know? And I highly recommend this for people who are interested in religion, interested in social, you know, just social justice and just how it gets fucked. I mean, it's, it's disgusting, but I really, really enjoyed this. Um, it's on Netflix. It's pretty new, so it'll probably be on for a long time, but, you know, maybe try to get to it. It's kind of long. It's, it's like eight hours, but, you know, it did say season one, which I never noticed on other documentaries, so I don't know if they're coming out with the season two, but they kind of, they kind of left it where they're like, well, what's next? But, like, there really is nothing next, you know? I mean, they couldn't figure out who, who did the, the murder, and, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. I'm rambling, but fantastic documentary. I highly, highly suggest it to anyone who's interested in the subject matter. Um, thank you. Bye. Thank you, Nicholas, for your voicemail. And I completely agree. If you're a true f- crime fan like myself, this is a documentary that you should definitely look into. Um, there might not be a season two, mostly because Ryan White, who's the director of the documentary, doesn't want to bring up the the pain that these survivors had to deal with but because of the the heat of this case after so many years it's picking up a lot of um, new information they're getting information from Ireland where Massick was he went for a while um, and this is where a lot of cold cases are coming about and getting new life and getting new information. Uh, I know a couple of months ago I mentioned talking about a podcast called Up and Vanish where they did, um, Payne Lindsay, the host of that show, took a 10-year-old case of Tara Grinstead and recently they just, after 10 years, there's people that confess to murdering her. So never, I guess like never never say never there's always going to be answers out there it's just we are in a new technology new world where technology is is good sometimes and a lot of people are helping out with trying to solve these cases i mean it they did leave the documentary at a kind of weird point where anything could happen but i think um white is trying to respect the people who are dealing with this pain and not doing a season two right off the bat there even though there's some new information so maybe he'll do like a one episode kind of wrap things up but it is a very 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 great documentary if you're into that stuff it is it is hard to swallow sometimes with all the information and all the abuse and the detailed accounts but it is done it's done really well so if you are into it it's called the keepers on netflix so on that note next week we are celebrating our one year anniversary of doing this wonderful podcast and i know and hopefully we will have patsy the angry nerd back hopefully that his focal fatigue goes away he just needs to shut the fuck up (laughs) which is very hard sometimes but i think he could do it and ashes thank you 
for joining me through this two weeks of craziness. You're welcome for my presence. I, you're always a present. My presence is your present. Yay. And thank you, Johnny, for making us sound good with those knobs that you turn. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and we've come full circle. Yes. And so stay tuned for next week because I don't know what the hell is going to happen. So craziness. See, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.